to begin. Coming to you from the desert, somewhere in Arizona. It's here. It's here. The Impatient Investor with Andrew Lenoy. It's him. He's alive. If you're looking for new ways to generate wealth and passive income, you're in the right place. You want it all, don't you? You're in the right place. This is the podcast for those wanting to take control and gain freedom through alternative investments. If you're following your mom and dad's investment advice. Honey, I'm home. Yeah, this isn't the podcast for you. Do you know what time it is? Why, yes. Yes, I do. I know what you're thinking. This is going to be unbelievable. It's time for The Impatient Investor with Andrew Lenoy. Andrew Lenoy. Hey, everyone. I had a great interview and conversation with my good friend, Ken McElroy. Ken is the CEO of MC Companies. They own and operate about a billion dollars of residential real estate, ground up development and construction. He's also a rich dad advisor, best-selling author, and all around really great guy. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Ken, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, brother? Good, doing good. So there's a, there's a lot of content out there on your, your background and how you kind of got started in the business. So I don't think you need to, to go too deep in that. But one question for you is you made this transition from being an, op- an owner and an operations guy, really heavy operations background. Um, and a lot of your time now is spent in the real estate uh, education space and maybe talk about how you made that transition or what, why you're so passionate about teaching people about real estate. Sure. Well, the, the truth is mar- the market has cycles, as you know, and, and so I've been in it long enough to, you know, be very, very, very busy when, when we're buying. And, um, you know, the last couple of years, as you know, we, we've been, we haven't bought any, anything. And, and so we're, we own right around just under a billion dollars worth of multifamily and commercial and self-storage and, we build them, we buy them, we do value adds, we raise hundreds of millions of dollars for syndications. And um, But there was a time not to buy, so Ross and I, my partner, decided to kind of hold off on that. And the truth was, is I, you know, I obviously, I'm in massive to personal development like yourself. And um, I've been meeting with all the Rich Dad advisors and all my friends and you know, we're just hunkering down trying to make our companies better and make our personal brands better. And and then uh, I found myself just having the time, you know, especially with the pandemic, just literally having the time. And, you know, I'm not on a plane and, you know, I'm not, you know, meeting with brokers and, and touring properties and, and doing all the things that I, that I had been doing. And so I just literally had the time to do it. So I figured, why not? You know, why not? You know, because well, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, don't have the experience. So it's easy for me just to get on and talk about, you know, real things that we're doing and, and their real stories instead of hypotheticals. So it's been really, really fun. That's so great. And yeah, we'll leave some links to your YouTube channel and uh, website down in the show notes too. So we're, we're obviously in this crazy, you know, time. We're not really in a recession. It's maybe not a pandemic. It maybe, I mean, who knows what, what it actually is. 
but we're, you know, we're September 2020 right now. Um, there's always some interesting leading indicators that, you know, tell us a story up to a crash typically, or like historically, whether it's an inverted yield curve, uh, interest rates, real estate prices. So we've got real estate at probably an all time high right now. Interest rates are at very, very low stock markets, high housing inventory is low. So what, what does all this tell you and what kind of market trends are you, are you, uh, you, are you looking at right now? Well, you know, for us, Andrew, like yourself, you know, the reason we stopped buying was just, you know, those are all true, by the way. But, you know, for us, it was, can we deliver returns for our investors? That was it. So that's always been our issue. And, you know, I don't want to buy just, I don't need to keep the lights on. We, we have enough real estate and passive income coming in on, you know, on our uh, I think we have about 8,000 apartments that we've owned for years. And so we have enough coming in. So I, I don't need to do deals. And a lot of the new startup guys, they need to do deals. And so for us, when we started to see, when we started to see the market fundamentals change, when I mean, what I mean by that is we started to see people overpaying for real estate, you know, uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, cause, and the reason it wasn't just an observation, these were deals that we were competing for. So we have a long track record with our acquisition guys that, you know, so we kind of have our fundamentals and we're always trying to solve to, to a cash on cash return. If somebody's going to give me a million bucks or 10 million bucks or a hundred million bucks, you, you know, they want a return on that money. And the return is the real estate you buy. And so, you know, it's just math from there, you know, it either works or it doesn't work. And so we saw that then, which is why we kind of backed out and, and the, you know, Federal Reserve kind of propped it up with interest rate uh, lowering, you know, and they were already low. And then they, you know, and so unfortunately they don't really have anywhere to go anymore on that, which has been really good. Cause then we spent the last two years refinancing everything that we had. And, um, and, and so that's how we got to where we are. And, and, and so now to answer your question directly, you know, what, what hap what's, what's happened is this COVID pandemic or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I think it's kind of accelerated. I call it an accelerator, you know, things that were already problematic or already happening before our eyes that, that happened kind of in slow motion, like, like Amazon was already taking down retail. It should be no surprise that malls and retail are in big, big trouble as an example. You know, if you really think about it, I've been watching that for years. Retail has been struggling for years. You know, so there's all these, there's new things too, of course, but so what, what, what's happening right now is, you know, the country got shut down while kind of the world got shut down and people, they, a lot of people uh, don't have, uh, adequate savings and reserves personally. And so if I'm sitting there with, maybe I'm thin and, you know, maybe we got two working or I'm single or whatever it is. And I got a little bit of equity in my house. If, if I even have a house and my employer's kind of on the block or my future income is kind of on the block, you know, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to sit back and kind of see what happens. I'm going to take the PPP money or the EIDL money or the unemployment money or whatever I'm, you know, whatever the government's going to throw at me, I'm going to take it. And I think that's what we just went through. And, and so I don't really believe that we've really seen what's going to really happen. And, and I don't want to scare anybody, but the truth is, is, you know, we got 
30 some million people on unemployment. We, we have hundreds of thousands of businesses that have already closed according to Yelp and according to you know, all these different services that track it. We have 4 million people doing mortgage forbearance. We have, you know, and 2 million of those are over 90 days delinquent. So we have all these things happening at the same time. And, and then I also think there's going to be some new behavior coming up, you know, whatever that means. I mean, I know friends that, you know, I, I have good friends and some of them are really, really concerned about their health and they're hunkering down in their home and, you know, they're not going to go fly or go into a hotel or go on a cruise ship anytime soon. And I have others that are, you know, that they, they, they don't just, they don't believe it or, you know, so, you know, like yourself, we know people on all sides of the spectrum. And, and, um, and so I just think people's behaviors are going to be different. And, um, and then I think employers are afraid of liability. Um, you know, but I look at things like, you know, restaurants are thin already on the margins. And so how does a restaurant survive when, you know, they have to socially distance their tables and, you know, so there's a lot going on. And, and I just believe that, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a pretty rough 2021 on a number of levels. And on the other side of that, though, there's businesses that are, that are doing really well, you know, and killing it. Uh, yeah. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great time for real estate, I, I think. But uh, you got to be super selective and buy in the right markets and, and be careful, you don't catch a falling knife, you know, on, on markets that are going down. Right now, the most apparent are the, you know, the urbans, you know, I'm near Seattle right now, you know, which is where I, I grew up. I'll be there this weekend. Um, and, um, you know, Seattle, Chicago, New York, LA, you know, people are just flying out of those places at the moment. And, um, you know, it's creating some, you know, I, I, could, I, I would consider it to be short term uh, you know, drops. So people are hunkering down. I don't blame them for not wanting to list their home. I don't blame them for not wanting to move right now because they don't, you know, they don't know if they're going to work or, or, you know, where they're going to be. And um, so that's why listings are down. And that's why prices are going skyrocket right now. You know, yeah. inventory is the lowest it's ever been. You know, a little further to that, so obviously there's this big, you know, uh, exodus happening in a lot of the big markets, just like you said, New York and California. Um, so what happens, do you think? I mean, what, what happens to these cities? Some of, the, some of the real estate is just incredibly expensive in those areas. And obviously, if you're working from home, you know, you're, you're a Google engineer making a couple hundred grand a year. Do you really want to pay 4200 bucks for a, you know, apartment in Cupertino or wh whatever? when you can go get a pretty nice house in Salt Lake City or, or even here in Phoenix for a heck of a lot less. Um, a lot of these cities historically have been pretty resilient. I mean, what happens to these cities over some amount of time when all this kind of exodus, um, I guess, stops? Well, I think, I think what's happened is this, what this has done is it's, it's, you know, we always had WebEx, we've always had Zoom, we've always had these things, right? Now they're like a, you know, a necessity, they've always been there. You know, Skype, it's always been there. We just were slow on our behavior change. And that's why I'd say that, you know, COVID uh, is an accelerator. The, the interesting thing is, and we're, we're wrapping our head around this too, we have 250 people, you know, we're able to do a lot and stay efficient and without having to come to work every day, without that 15 minute, one hour commute or whatever it is each way. And, you know, there's, there are ways to stay efficient, connected, you know, there's some downside to it too, but 
I think the, you know, the telecommute or work remote or whatever you want to call it is a thing. You know, there's been big cities, you know, to your point in San Francisco, you know, Twitter has said, we're not, you know, we're not going back. Pinterest, I don't know if you saw Pinterest just, <laughs> they just wrote a $90 million check to get out of their lease, you know, and, and yeah. so these companies are taking positions on whether or not they're going to come back or not. And, and so that's, you know, now people can kind of decide, you know, where do I really want to be? And before it was uh, always focused around work or, you know, being near work and, you know, kind of having a shorter commute. And so I, I really think we're going to have a massive real estate correction in, in, in some of those markets. And, and by the way, if you go back just 10 years, 2008, just take a look at what rents were in, you know, Cupertino or San Francisco, they were a lot lower. And so, you know, people have a tough time kind of going back to that and kind of remembering, but New York, San Francisco, these are all markets that have gone through this before. So it, it'll be very interesting this time around. Cause I think, I think, I think people have figured out a way to, to run businesses, uh, remotely and you know, i think you can see a lot of technology around that too yeah so you you've got a video that went viral that that's uh, i think the title of it is the 2021 real estate crash and, and some of this you've been talking about already but you know when you think of the word crash when it comes to real estate you think of an equity crash right i think rents historically over time have always increased obviously that's not every single market but so what does that exactly mean? What what do you see happening in 2021 as far as a real estate crash? I think the whole thing is going to be predicated on inventory. So the cool part about this time around, Andrew, is a lot of people have equity in their homes. That's actually a really good thing because there's a lot of people that are sitting on equity. And but you know, like like just put yourself in their shoes you know, let's say you got a hundred or 200 in equity, but you, and you're living somewhere and you don't know whether or not you're going to, you know, have any income because your employer shut down or maybe your, your own business shut down, or maybe one of your, 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 your significant other lost their job or whatever it might've been. You know, I think that you might list your home, scoop some of that equity. Yeah. If, if, you know, or, you know, obviously try to replace it replace your income somehow and so i think you're gonna find you know what what happens people people move to safety which is a big issue right now you know you're not going to move to downtown portland or downtown seattle or chicago at the moment you know they move for affordability they move for weather you know they they move for low property taxes they they move for good schools and you know so i think there's going to be a lot of that happening and, and uh, I would, you know, if, if my life, you know, if I could cash out, let's say in Southern or Northern California and get a few hundred grand and uh, move to Scottsdale, you know, my, where, you know, you know, Scottsdale, you can buy a home there for 500, 600 grand, um, you know, with the uh, real nice ones, a million bucks, but a lot less than, you know, Northern or Southern California in a lot of areas. So, so that's happening. People are, you know, people are moving to the suburbs, they're relocating, they're having their rents go down. Uh, there's massive disruption in the, uh, in the college university uh, sector, massive, you know, where, 
your parents aren't, uh, you know, kids don't want to go and the, the, the universities are shut down and they're doing Zoom basically from their, you know, from the, the rentals that they have one block from the campus, you know, and then they're policing, you, you know, all the, all the uh, events and the, you know, football games and stuff like that. So, so there's a lot of disruption happening. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I think you're going to see it in these migration patterns. You know, the, the interesting thing is I haven't seen a lot yet on migration patterns and that is, you know, where are people moving and why? And, and it's, it's really all over the map, you know? So kind of more on the disruption thing, uh, the Starwood CEO was quote, I think this was on the, the talk that you and Chris Martinson did talking about a third of New York city hotels going under. So, I mean, uh, is that, is that an Amazon play at some point? I mean, those are pretty big footprints and obviously really expensive property. What do you, what do you think happens to some of those properties? I don't know. You know, if you, you know, a lot of those hotels have been repurposed over the years. I mean, New York's a very resilient city uh, year over year over year. It's just going through what it's going through at the moment. I, I remember, you know, it was bad when um, I remember as a kid, you know, it was dangerous to go there and Giuliani kind of cleaned it up, you know, and, and uh, it's obviously when that happens, people like to go. So I think whenever you, again, whenever you take that kind of product out of the market and it closes, you know, then it obviously lowers the amount of product in the market, but the big issue is going to be who's going to go there. You know, I don't really want to go there uh, anytime soon based on the defunding of the police and all the other things. I'm not trying to be political, but just for my own personal safety, you know, I want that. I, you know, I want to go places that are safe and I don't know if New York is or isn't at the moment, but that would be, a, it would probably be a city I'm going to skip for a while. And same with Chicago and, you know, some of the others. So I think people are going to do that. And I also think that businesses are trying to figure out what it is that they're going to do. Do, do they need to be, do they need to have the big floors or high rises and in New York City and do they need to be paying the big rents and can they run their businesses remotely? Can they save money? What about their employees? And if those, if all that stuff happens, then I do think there'll, there'll be less hotels needed. And, you know, it's kind of a combination of all these levers that are being pulled at the same time, you know, on the safety side, on the tourist side, tourist, tourism is a big, big deal in New York. Business is obviously a massive deal in New York, but it's a mess. I was on the phone two days ago with my friend that runs the real estate um, uh, for Goldman Sachs, and you know he's in uh, you know in, in in the Hamptons, and they've been there since June, and they're not planning on going back anytime soon. And and you know he's rolling pretty well, and you know so there's going to be a lot of people that I think uh, it's going to be a filtering out, and but those hotels are people are going to lose money in those hotels. <laughs> You know, they're going to lose their equity. Those, those are going to go back to the banks. And at some point, they'll be repurposed, I would guess. Could be, who knows? You know, it depends on who the next person is and, and what they do with it. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, you've talked about 2021 exposure, and there's this massive job displacement, displacement which all ties into this. You're talking about malls being uh, closed down, a, a pretty big percentage, and and just like you had said, whatever the number was for restaurants and small businesses getting shut down, um, you, you think it's hard to say what's gonna what the country is gonna look like in five or ten years, just as far as 
certain segments of the 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 job market gone like you know all of my friends in the concert business are not working right now for the most part sports like slowly starting to come back um, I mean what happens you think more entrepreneurs step in at this point and and work on creating jobs there were certainly ones that happened during the subprime crash where there was like an Airbnb or Uber so I got to think that there's so many more problems now than there was seven months ago right uh, I mean, what's your take on that? Do you think entrepreneurs are going to kind of step up and, and really work to create more jobs? I do. I, I think this is going to be an interesting time because I, I think it has, it's going to largely, I think a lot of people are going to realize how at risk they were with their paycheck. And we've been talking about this. You and I talk about this all the time. You need to have multiple streams of income. It, you know, you don't have to quit your job but you need to have multiple streams of income. And, and so when you are reliant on one thing and you, you know, you're not, it's not yours, you're not controlling the income and the expenses. I think that's risky and that's proved out right now. And so there's gonna be lots of people that are just gonna dig deep, I believe, and try to figure out, you know, how is it that I can, you know, survive during this period of time. There's already 3 million people that have moved back with their parents and grandparents since March. And we're at 32 million people so far. So think about that. 32 million people are now living with their parents or grandparents, the highest ever. And things are disruptive. So I, yes, I do believe that. I, I think like, like if that happened to you or happened to me, we would figure out a way to get out of our parents' house and make some money somehow, some way, no matter what. And so I do believe that's going to happen. I, I think millions of people are going to hopefully, instead of get depressed, they're going to say, okay, I need to dust off and figure out what, you know, what this new chapter is going to look like for me. And, and they're going to go for it. And some of those are just going to turn into remarkable companies, you know, I, I believe. Yeah. And, and you had said, I thought this was pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty dark times for a lot of people out there, especially if they're out of work. And just like you said, they don't have savings and it's, it's, uh, it's just a hard time for a lot of people. You had said, um, and I think this was with Chris Martin. So you said it, it's a wonderful time and people should be where they want to be really focused on the opportunities that are, that are either here currently or kind of coming down the, coming down the pike. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I mean, as you know, I, I was in the grind, you were in the grind. So we can just talk about us. I was corporate, you were corporate. We were both climbing whatever we climbed. We made money. We were doing well. You did it in the entertainment industry. I did it in the real estate industry. When we went out on our own, it was tough. And after a couple of years, it became easier. And then our lifestyle changed. You know, for me, I ended up being where I wanted to be. You know, I, I ended up having a home in Scottsdale and a home in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is where I am now. And raising my kids the way I wanted to raise them, sending them to schools that I wanted to send them to, spending the time that I wanted with them, <coughs> excuse me, going on vacations wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And, and so I think that people will start to realize 
they now can do that themselves. They should be near family. They should be near water if that's where they want to be. They should be in the woods if that's where they should be on a farm on 100 acres if that's what they want. And they can buy that for cheap and they can still be connected. So that's what I meant by that. And, you know, Chris did that years ago. He did what he wanted to do. And he was plugged into New York and, you know, high finance and, and decided to, you know, basically be a little more remote and, and, and live a life that he wanted to live and grow sustainably and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I meant. I think that this is a time to evaluate your, the choices that you have. And I think that they were always there the whole time. But now the employers and, and the business is now such where you can still make money wherever you want to be. And that is, I think, really, really important for the psyche and for, you know, just you as a person. You could, you know, being a road warrior and, and, and business, business, business and, and working your ass off all morning and all night is it's, it's not rewarding over the long haul. Right, right. So switching gears a little bit, um, you've talked about uh, paper being dangerous when we're talking about currency. Um, what do you think happens to the economy over time with all of this money that, uh, that, the, that the government's been, uh, been printing the last six months? Well, it's super scary. You, you, whenever, whenever, whenever you add that much money to the money supply, it's concerning, obviously, because it, it's, again, a supply and demand thing. So whenever you add high um, amounts of something to something, you know, typically the value goes down a little bit. What's happened initially is it's gone to people's savings accounts. So if you look at the savings rates, the personal savings rates, they've really jumped from March, which is awesome. People are now, you know, this is what happens when you're, you know, you're, you get furloughed or, or your employer closes or it doesn't make it you know, the people put money in savings. And so that's happening right now. When that, when they start to get comfortable again, then that money starts to come out and starts to circulate. Then I think that's when we start to see inflation. So the money has to circulate and, you know, and, and um, you know, there's cost, cost pull and demand push types of inflation. And so you're gonna start to see that I believe and you're gonna, you're gonna, you need to be careful about rapid inflation. The, the the Federal Reserve just changed their standard just recently, where their target was two percent of inflation annually, and and uh, they adjusted it to say that it can go higher. They didn't say how much higher. They just yeah. Said higher. That doesn't include right? food or energy, though, right? Is that's that correct? Was, is that missing? Yeah, and that's. You know, as you know, that's going up. I, I mean, uh, I go into the grocery store and, and I'm like, man, this stuff's starting to get expensive. You know, like, right. you know, meat is $15, $16 a pound, you know, $20 a pound now. And, and so all that kind of stuff is becoming more and more expensive. So to me, things are becoming more expensive. And all that additional money, in my opinion, is, is, is only going to make it worse. And the truth is, the, if, the Federal Reserve's target inflation has been 
that people should just wrap their head around that, I think, because <laughs> that, that means that in the last 20 years, you know, they've lost 40% purchasing power of their money. Right. And, so, sa and salaries haven't nearly kept up with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just wrap your, you know, if you had 10 grand in the bank or a hundred thousand in the bank 20 years ago, and still the same, it just buys less. So I, I think people need to have, they need to understand that they need to wrap their head around the fact that, but if they stick it into a hard asset, whatever that is, you know, I'm a real estate guy. So I obviously love real estate. I love debt. Um, good debt, debt that's paid off by my tenants. Those are hard assets because those fixed loans. If I if I if I borrow today, at, you know, ten million dollars from you, and I don't pay one cent of it down, it's still ten million dollars in twenty years. <laughs> right. And you know, as long as I'm paying you currently, and I, if I still owe you ten using the 2% again, you know, I'm paying you off a cheaper dollar. So I'm hedging inflation by using debt. So I think people, once they just wrap their head around the fact that it's just paper and it's currency and, and, and they're printing it and there's a lot of it coming, they should probably not be too heavy in savings and start to look for things that are inflation adjusted so that they're not going backwards. That's, that's what I meant by that. Yeah, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Um, so we talked about this a little bit. Retail's having a really hard time. Some of that's really not a surprise. Office space, certainly that's uh, really struggling right now. Malls, restaurants. Um, we, we're both in residential real estate, which you know I wake up every day and I'm thankful for being in residential real estate and, and affordable housing. Um, how do you see uh, all the moratoriums that are happening? How do you see that affecting uh, mortgages and occupancy when, when all this kind of starts to shake out? Well, I, I, I think the government, if you look at history, you know, really back from the you know, early twenties or actually beyond before that, even the, the governments are always concerned about housing and food. And so I think we're in a really good spot. Rentals were all rentals. Uh, were severely um, undersupplied before COVID. You know, I think that by 2030, we were supposed to hit, you know, equilibrium. But from 2008 to about 2013, 14, there wasn't a lot of new housing being built because we were just kind of, walk, you know, dusting ourselves off from the last recession. So, we're all, we were already undersupplied on the rental housing side. So it's interesting that, you know, on one hand, I'm calling it a crash. On the other hand, I do believe that, you know, we're going to have a rental housing shortage and even more so now because people are, you know, trying to keep their homes. They're going to move out of their homes. They're going to downsize. They're going to do whatever they have to do to survive financially. And in 08, which is, this is not 08, there's a whole heck of a lot of people that got displaced to rentals. And that's actually the reason, Andrew, that we got the rental boom was, it was because of the, the crash in 08 that people spilled out of homes and they put all this pressure on the rental market and nope, and we weren't able to keep up. And so individual markets where people were going, the migration patterns like Austin, people were going there because of jobs. 
there wasn't enough housing. And so the rents were going up $50, $100 every, every time that they renewed. And that's why we got this big jump. And that's why the real estate prices went up. So that's what happened in the last time. And um, this got, you know, disrupted a different way. But the truth is we have, uh, I think it's close to 30 million people that are, um, you know, having a tough time paying the rent on, on, that are being protected right now through the CDC eviction um, order. And, and then we have the forbearance stuff that's supposed to end at the end of September, but they can renew it again for another six months, but they have to prove hardship. So in both cases, both on the rental side come January, and both on the mortgage side, they have to prove hardship. And a lot of people have hardship, but it's gonna be interesting. At some point, they're gonna to have to pay the piper. And these, if the, the renters actually, believe it or not, I think have less at risk, because if you, if you can't pay your mortgage, you haven't paid for five, six months, let's say, by the end of the year or early next year, you also have the jeopardy of your equity going down as a result of all this flooded inventory. So I, I believe that we're going to have a massive inventory that's going to hit the market at the end of the year after forbearance and, and, and spring and, and next summer. And I think that's going to disrupt a lot of markets because of the supply side. The renter stuff kind of works itself out. You know, people's credit get dinged, landlords take it in the shorts. You know, some of the deals go back to the lenders. Uh, you know, renters roommate up, they figure stuff out, you, you know, and, and they, and so that happened in 08. It was a, you know, we, we, we started seeing it there, you know, our, our collections, our collections went, went way down. And so, you know, all that happens at the same time. And so I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have a lot of movement on the evictions and, and apartments. I think people, People are gonna go to family, they're gonna go to weather, they're gonna go to um, jobs, they're gonna go to safety, they're gonna go to affordability, all that's gonna happen and everyone's gonna have a different agenda and a different want. So all that's gonna happen, I think, in the next 14, 15 months. Yeah, and I think people, especially at least the families that I know, you know, mom and dad at home, working from home, three kids, I mean, they would give their left arm for another bedroom or another office or more space, right? So even more of a reason to kind of get out of these more expensive uh, cities and markets. Um, part, part of your, your, your business is new construction and ground up development. Um, I know some costs right now are much higher than they, than they were in the past. Um, do you think that's a trend that continues just as far as construction costs, or you think that kind of all settles, settles out on the other side of this? Well, that's a bit of a loaded question. It's a great question, but the, the, the reason is there's a lot of things that push on that. So I do think a lot of subcontractors are going to go out of business. Lenders are definitely going to get way more stringent on, 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 loaning money, especially on new construction, because there's no collateral. It's just vacant land. And, you know, it's against, you know, a personal individual when you go get a, a construction loan. So you're going to have, there's going to be a, the you know, lenders are going to want to lend, but they can't, 
because you, there might not be somebody that can buy that place. And you, there's just all this disruption around the lending market on new construction. So I do think we're gonna have um, a little bit of a blip there. The supply chains are really a, a big issue. So in other words, the, the drywall and the lumber, you know, from Canada or the, the, you know, the, the, you know, some of the stonework maybe from Mexico or, or stuff that's even locally, you know, that relies on something else. Like I have a friend that's a man in the manufacturing business and most of his uh, steel uh, was coming from overseas and, you know, he, that's been disrupted. So some of the supply chains are going to disrupt and they, actually they already are. And, and, you know, as you can see stuff, we're running out of things. There's lots of, you know, the reorder part is just not happening because every, everybody's kind of, um, you know, mobilized, I guess. And, and so all of that's going to be determined on the construction costs. So, you know, not to, don't know yet, but uh, we'll see. For now, we, we seem to be doing pretty well because all the projects that were under construction are going to continue to be constructed constructed and and so a multi-family project like ourselves you know if we're under construction today you know, we we that we might have been under construction a year ago you know these things can take a couple of years to finish and so if they're already funded and we're already pulling draws and we already have all that stuff happening those are going to be safe it's when all that stuff runs out and the completion of those office buildings or retail buildings or multi-family buildings you were already seeing one to two months concessions in uh, some markets like Dallas for apartments for a new renter. So we hadn't seen that since 08. So you're yeah. starting to see things pop up as, as all the stuff that's kind of in motion right now, it could even could be a single family home. A single family home could take, you know, for four to six months to build, it could be a year, you know, could be could be a year and a half depending on the size and all the other things and the complexity you know, all that stuff will be finished all, all that stuff will determine if somebody's going to be able to buy that or not buy that and and then whether the lender will lend again because people lenders lend to people who can pay them back and so that's all a bit fuzzy as well so it'll be interesting yeah so one one uh, one more question on the education side, um, you know, there's always people that are getting into real estate education, real estate investing education. What would you tell people right now wh where they're looking to? You know, someone says I want to invest in real estate right now, in 2020. What do you, what's your what's your recommendation? And, and, and assume that they're you know they're into personal development and can really learn and, and go the education route. What would you what would you tell them? Well. You know, real estate exists for people, so not the other way around. You know, so if if there's a lot of people going somewhere, and it's it, it's putting a a you know a, some stress on the supply, then you're going to start to see probably real estate that's going to be fine over the long haul. The stress on the supply has to do with jobs typically, so I would focus on markets where there's good job growth and, and, and a continued uh, employment and continued population growth because those are the people that they come in and get a cup of coffee, they buy a breakfast sandwich, they sit down for lunch, they buy a steak at night, they, they stop for a beer, 
they rent an apartment, you know, all that stuff kind of revolves around people and commerce. And so if you just focus on jobs, then I think you'll be okay. And, and that's, but you know, that's a big, big question mark right now on a lot of, on a lot of markets and sub markets. So just be very careful to be very careful not to chase deals that appear to be, you know, really, really well priced. <laughs> There's a reason I'm starting to see a lot of product hit the market and uh, it's because sophisticated uh, investors are, are, are exiting. Right. Right. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, you know, I talk a lot about genera generational wealth and leaving a legacy behind. Uh, I think that really the two types of legacy to leave, one financial and the second being knowledge. Um, you've, when we first met, you had uh, written a book called Sleeping Giant, which is, which is really cool and kind of like an entrepreneur's tale. Uh, your your two boys were on the cover, um, young kids in kind of your your suits, right? Like a really cool cover. Um, anything you want to talk about? Just with what that means, generational wealth or legacy? Uh, you know, you're building all this content. I'm putting aside the the actual real estate part of your your world. I mean, you're putting together a lot of very valuable content. I go and see you know, on Facebook or somewhere and, you know, people love it and they're asking good questions and you're answering questions and you're really giving back. So what, what does, you know, what does legacy mean to you or, or, um, generational wealth? Well, there's, there's, it, it, I think a lot of people equate that with money. I do not. So I know, and you know, hundreds of people that have gotten money from their parents and they go out and they buy cars and they turn into drug addicts and they do all kinds of stupid shit, right? And so, you know, giving somebody money without the tools to understand how to use it for philanthropy and for making more money and making other people money and, and educating, I think is the best gift. So that's what I've been focused on. And that's what I'm trying to do for people is, you know, my journey was very humble beginnings. As you know, my parents didn't go to college. Uh, and of course, and they barely got out of high school and, you know, so I didn't grow up with any money, but I learned how to use it, how it works. I still have a lot to learn. I'm trying to teach that to my kids. That's certainly working, but I also want people to make good decisions, um, get some of that reoccurring cash flow, get some of that passive income that we talk a lot about. And, and then you can focus on the real things that are important the most, which is, in my opinion, your health, your relationships, uh, your family, your friends, and, and then the, the real estate and the money should be working for you. And you should be able to do what you want as you know, and I think a lot of people think of it the other way around is they, they work really, really hard and then they spend the money to go do what they want. I want that stuff to be producing what I want so that I can, you know, literally take a look at, and now the only issue I have, Andrew, is managing my time. You know, well, how do I want to spend my time? And, and uh, that's really freeing because you don't have to worry about the money. And so if we can teach people how to get to that spot, then they can spend time with their families. They're not going to spend all hours at work, you know, they're going to be home with their kids for dinner and those kinds of things. So for me, if I can help teach that financial education on the front end, then perhaps they can 
you know, bring that into their, their own families and then teach that to their kids through things like the cash flow game and some of the other things, you know, their school does not set you up very well, for, you know, for education. I think it does an okay job from, you know, math and writing and arithmetic. Doesn't teach you leadership. It doesn't teach you relationships. You don't know how to navigate through those. It doesn't teach you about money. It doesn't teach you how to invest or things to ask. And, and so the more you can do that, then I think you, and, and you can, you know, your kids learn from what you do, not from what you say. And, and so that's what I've been trying to do with my own kids. And that's what I've been trying to do. That's why I like this social media platform because all I got to do is show people what I'm doing, you know? And um, if I can show people what I'm doing, then they can see it. And I, you know, it's not me just, standing on some stage you know saying buy this and do this you know i'm actually doing it and i'm right. showing them how to do it that's great hey really appreciate you taking the time today to uh to talk and what's the best place for people to to uh to reach you what's the what's the best website to send people to i yeah just send everybody to kenmacroy.com so k-e-n-m-c-e-l-r-o-y.com and we've got everything there. They can go see my companies. They can go to the YouTube stuff. We've got blogs. We've got videos. We've got forms they can download if they're, you know, in the rental business. We've got all kinds of stuff there that's free that uh, they can take a look at and, and jump on board if they're interested. Great. Thanks again. Uh, appreciate you ha having you on. Sure, dude. Good hey. seeing you as always. Thanks, man. Cheers. This was The Impatient Investor with Andrew Lenoy. You'd do it again if you thought you could get away with it, wouldn't you? Visit theimpatientinvestor.com for more episodes and be sure to share this podcast. Now, don't tell me you're taking all this seriously. No, seriously. Seriously. Go share it and rate it on iTunes today.